0: Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Pieper. And we are set to continue our GOAT series, greatest of all time, as we make our way from the lineup to the rotation and bring to you our top right-handers of all time today. We'll break down a couple of uh, news and notes uh, for current events. Uh, a nice $340 million contract that took place this, uh, uh, this past week, 340 million reasons why Fernando Tatis is very happy to be a San Diego Padre uh, player. A couple of uh, signings more of the still on the, the in the top 10 of each of the categories from starting pitcher to relief pitcher, probably two of the biggest ones that were left that have now signed. Uh, pitchers and catchers report this week what a glorious week it is as the uh, uh, in Wisconsin anyways, the temperature is starting to improve all be 25 uh, and uh, ready for the the uh, heat wave of 40 degrees on Tuesday.
1: Really, I didn't see that.
0: So I'm nice. uh, I'm ready to bust out the shorts and uh, <laughs> like the get the right? get the grill going and uh, <laughs> let a little uh, John Fogerty center field and get yeah. a brought in hand and be be ready to go for uh, uh, glory
1: days as I switch to a different song too. But anyways, did you watch any of the baseball yet? There's some college games on.
0: I I haven't. I know that uh, starting this next weekend, there's live spring training games. Live spring training. I watched a college game. Rays and Red Sox are on ESPN on the first day. Really? uh, With that, so I I have that already
1: targeted for next Saturday. I watched. I think it was Florida and Kentucky. It's baseball, right? Like I'll watch college games at this point. It's uh, uh, it is that time of year, and uh, we are definitely getting there. River Creek popcorn announcement. Yeah, Uh, I was going to get to that. Sorry, still sponsored by River Creek popcorn. I am actually. We're getting closer, as you said. It's warming up around here. Week after Easter, hopefully, God willing, the snow has gone by then. We will be open the week after Easter.
0: So we're excited for a season openers for a baseball and popcorn. And uh, as mentioned, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. Uh, the season is uh, only like one week after the regular season kicks off, so we're right about mirroring mm-hmm. each other. So yeah. I didn't want to start right on. April. I didn't want to start on Easter weekend. Uh, good call. Yeah, thanks. So let's dive into the the big contract. Fernando Tatis, uh,
1: 14 years, $340 million. Longest contract in baseball history. There had been the two 13-year-old deals. That was Bryce Harper and Stanton got a 13-year contract. Yep. But uh, this one is the third most lucrative, I think. Betts and Trout got a little more than him. But Fernando Tatis is a very wealthy man and He's. I mean, the Padres. We were talking about it before we started. The Padres infield, right? It's it's loaded with at least financially with Hosmer and Machado and him specifically. The uh, most expensive infield in Major League Baseball, I think, topping at about
0: 800, $850 dollars when you put the all of the the people together from the Machado deal to Eric Hosmer to now Fernando Tatis uh, and the, and the paltry like twenty million bucks to Hoss Kim. So, all right.
1: It's a. Let's go back to the White Sox here. White Sox traded Fernando Tatis a while ago for James Shields. That is one of yeah. the worst trades in history in this point. like Tatis is one of the superstars of this game, and is he 22? Right, 22? So I think they locked the 14 years. He's still only 36 now, Not he's not going to get another big contract at that point. But he could have another couple one-year contracts in him at the end of that. Just crazy to think that at his age, there still could be a contract after that fourteen-year
0: deal, mm-hmm. and there's still a possibility of a, a twilight years contract yeah. uh, that could be uh, taking place. So, yeah, that's uh, the big uh, the big money signing of the uh, the uh, the week, and then we have a couple of the free agents that have now come off the board. Trevor Rosenthal got more money than I thought he would at this stage.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. He he went one year and eleven million. He went to Oakland. It's it's a pretty big commitment for a pitcher who between 2019 and 2020 threw 49 innings, and between those two because last year was pretty good, but 2019 was really bad. So, but you combine them together, it's a mid sixes ERA with a four FIP. Now, I think he's I think he's going to be the closer. They made a couple other signings this week on the smaller end, so Sergio Romo and Ismearo Petit also went into that bullpen. But obviously, you're hoping 2019 is the outlier and that 2020 is what's real, but. It's twenty-three innings in twenty-twenty, and you're just trusting that he's fully back. Uh, definitely a deal that has considerable amount considerable amount of deferrals
0: uh, in it. I think only about four million or so is what he's being paid this year, with
1: the rest of it over the next three seasons, give or take a couple million bucks each year. Yeah, I, I saw that too. It's the not pay it all right away, take your chances, and pay a little bit of it, and then a little more. I, I did not. I don't have the specifics on that, but yes, it is not all eleven million this year. And uh, Rosenthal
0: obviously banking on another one-year deal at a double digits for uh you know a, a eight-figure contract uh and then still approve it deal for him to get that multi-year uh, contract apparently he had a couple of those that were out there but not like he was looking for a big four-year deal he, thought he
1: was gonna get paid like yeah big it sounded like he thought he was getting a lot and we've seen some decent contracts brad hand got a pretty good one but that was a one year i think from the nationals if i don't remember if i'm remembering right and colomay got two i think and it said trevor Olsen thought you're just trying to say that, look, this 23 innings shows I'm back, and that is a big commitment for a team to make, to say, look, 23-innings, and I trust that you're fully back to being who you were now four years ago is when we really saw him last to be yeah. good over a large sample size. Yeah. So he's he's trying to improve the sample size at this point. It's
0: interesting that Oakland was the one that was willing to gamble on an eight figure contract, which uh, does make me wonder that they're high on him. Obviously, yeah. uh, so we'll see what what happens there. Taiwan Walker uh, is uh, got the other uh, uh, deal filling out the the New York Mets rotation. Another
1: guy who's basically missed two full seasons mm-hmm. before this. He came back last season, pitched really well. Was it started with Seattle? Got traded midseason to Toronto. Uh, He's a little fortunate last year. Some of the BABIP, my dad wants me to explain BABIP on here. He says that we don't explain it enough. So BABIP is batting average on balls in play, which means when you hit the ball, it can either be an out or it can be a hit. And it usually averages out to around 300. So uh, his was a little lower than that, which means he got a little lucky. And strand rate means if your guy gets on base, usually about 75% of the time, you can keep them from scoring. Now, if it gets really low, like 50, you were really unlucky. Too many guys scored. And if it gets really high, like 90%, you got really lucky and nobody scored off you because for whatever reason, you were able to pitch better. It's not really a skill. Some people say it's a skill pitching, you know, from the, the stretch or the windup, but it's those are basically, they tend to average out. Um, otherwise, everything else from Taiwan Walker looked the same. The K and the walk percentage were basically back to where he was a few years ago. Now that Mets rotation just gets even better,
0: I think that's uh, might be an idea for at least part of a, a future podcast of, of breaking down advanced stats. To so an advanced stats kind of one hundred and one, just to uh, briefly talk about what each of those things means. Why are people? Why is the industry moving to these stats over the traditional stats? And so that. I think that'd be a, a nice thing to to break down and be ready for the season to Congratulations, begin. Congratulations, Dad! You're getting it. So uh, ask and ye shall receive. Uh, pitchers and catchers reported this week. Always an exciting time uh, when that takes place. It means we're getting that much closer to real baseball beginning. Uh, but unfortunately, once those things begin, injuries can begin, and we had one of those already this week. Yeah,
1: yeah. J.T. Ramuto got a big contract this offseason, returned to the Phillies, and he showed up. And it actually happened, I think they said, a few days before camp started in a workout with some, I don't know if it was even with players on the team or was just people he knew, but... He had a small break, small fracture in his right thumb when he tried to block a ball. I think it was what you already said. He blocked a ball. He got low and he hit his thumb weird. They hope it's, they said he was going to be not doing anything for two weeks and then hopefully back by mid March and ready for opening day. But hand injuries are rough,
0: right? Like hand oh, injuries are tough. A, a catcher and a bat, like all that stuff is there for, for baseball, but especially for a catcher. Uh, yeah. Uh. And then you're adding in the batting and you, you bought him for both. Uh, and uh, so you want to make sure you you do it right so you don't have don't want to rush you don't want to rush
1: him back from a broken thumb and just have that be a problem all year where he struggles to grip the bat right or something like like you said you paid in the end you ended up paying big money for him now you can't have him not be what he's been for you in the past
0: uh, my gut says he probably misses like the first two weeks of the year it won't be long but I think they'll they'll play it cautious. Uh, and I think by the time of him ratcheting back up, they're going to want to just give him that additional time to make sure it's there. So I, I bet he starts at least on the, the ten day IL. That won't surprise uh, me at all. And then by by mid April, he's back up and running full steam. So, but we'll monitor that as we move forward as well. But now we'll get to the uh, the big portion of our uh, podcast here. We're going to talk about our starting nine for the best right hand right handed starting pitchers of all time. Uh, and we mentioned before, as, as we've been going through this list, there were some positions, positional players that it was hard to get the nine uh, or the, the debate on who the number nine one would be. There's a good three, four, or five candidates uh, that made that uh, a harder debate. Uh, but none of them have been as difficult as trying to pare down the top nine for, and I'm sure, I'm sure the left handed pitchers is going to be the same way. Uh, so this is going to be the most challenging
1: list. Uh, I think that we're going to embark on. Yeah, I said that I had 25 names. I got it down to, I actually have 10, 11, 12, 13 names in front of me. So I know what my top nine are, but I have some other options on here. Should I want to talk about them? Look, there's 130 years of baseball, basically, that we're talking about. Maybe a little more than that, 140 years of baseball. And the majority of pitchers are right-handed. So you're probably talking about, I don't know. Three thousand names that we had to pick from, roughly. I'm not sure, but of those, you know, you could say, make a case for really easily thirty of these guys to be on this list.
0: Oh no, question, and especially for for right handed, as far as that being the majority of uh, uh, of the pitchers there. And in that regard, uh, I think we're going to have some very good. Like with the lefties, I'm just imagining a lesser list, but a more higher impact. Uh, list is what I'm, I'm. I'm intrigued to see that one. I, have, I haven't even started on that one yet. My I lefties have, uh, is my lefties have. You're talking. We're talking about some active stuff earlier. My lefties have two active players on it. There we go. I'm yeah. curious to yeah. see that. So that's uh, what we're going to do is break down our starting nine uh, for the starting pitchers here, and then we'll, we're we're going to categorize it by. We'll talk about numbers nine through six, uh, but then we're going to look at our starting five. We'll make our rotation of our, our best right-handed pitcher rotation of all time. And, and go up our, our list to our ace, the ace of aces. So we'll That's have right. uh, a chance to, to check that out. Uh, then we're going to ask who has the best chance uh, of players today to crack the top 10? Uh, who uh, of the younger pitchers are you intrigued to see? It's it's so hard. Of all the positions, uh, it's so hard to get to what the the industry levels were, like the guaranteed entrance to the Hall of Fame.
1: You're going with our buddy Trevor, right?
0: Uh, he he, yeah. uh, he did not make my list. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the benchmarks for the Hall of Fame—the guaranteed ticket to the Hall of Fame—three hundred wins, right? That's mm-hmm. the that's the standard that has been there. Do we see anyone reach those numbers again with the way that the innings are going down, the way things have, uh, uh is all the the changes to modern yeah. pitching? Yeah, that's...
1: is that the number anymore? Can someone do that? kershaw's got 175 so that he isn't even gonna get there so i wonder who's the active leader in wins give me a second here
0: so that that's the the challenge now with the way the rotations have gone and the numbers and also if you're only in for five or six innings you don't get as many chances to uh, for the lead to stay there uh so that becomes even harder to get
1: again uh just how rare a 20win season is anymore it would have to be a young guy because the of the older player, like Justin Verlander is the active leader in wins. He has two hundred and twenty six, but he ain't pitching this year, and then he'll be thirty-nine, right? Thirty-nine, I think. Zach an Reinke outside has, shot at two fifty, but that's about where out. it ends. Zach Ranky two hundred and eight, but he's thirty six. And those are the line two over two hundred. So <laughs> you're not none of those older players yeah, are getting to three hundred
0: wins. It, it depends because you're talking about someone who no longer depends on a dominant fastball and he's been slowly like emerging that much more as a uh, as a pitcher, uh, than as a thrower, uh, if he stays healthy, because he's not relying on a dominant fastball, he could pitch into his early 40s.
1: And then, I mean, let's say he pitches to 42. That's six more years. He has to get 90 more wins. That's, I guess, he could maybe win that's 15, 15, 15 a year. A year. Yeah, it's it's an it's outside
0: possible. shot, but it's uh, you need a couple of peak seasons yet uh, to really get there. Uh, but
1: yeah. It's a, it's an, it's definitely not what it used to like. Getting to 300 wins in today's day and age would be very impressive because of the fact that bullpens have become so much more specialized. Uh,
0: you have to go back to the the mid 90s, uh, the Maddox and Glavin and uh, that group that uh, reached those uh, Smoltz that reached those illustrious numbers. Now Smoltz didn't because he also had the relief years that were in there. Uh, but uh, it's been a while since you had those types of groups. I mean, Roger Clemens in
1: more recent time, but... It's been 2004, I, I guess I was just looking it up. It looks like Greg Maddux was the last person to hit 300 wins, I think. Yeah, like, yeah, last person to hit 300 wins was Greg Maddux. So it's it already has not, 16 years. It has think not about been that. recently that we've seen a person get to that number. I wonder what Andy Pettit got to.
0: So as you look at Andy Pettit, we will uh, uh, start on our... 256. 256? 256. I'm thinking 250 now becomes the benchmark. He should be Uh, in
1: the Hall of Fame. We'll talk about that next week when we get to lefties. uh,
0: There you go. So a just-missed list. Who's on
1: your uh, just-missed? I'm going to take kind of a cheating one here. I'm going to go with a player who pitched four years. Four years. But it was about as good of a start of a career as anyone we've seen since Bob Feller. And then tragedy struck. And that is Jose Fernandez, who pitched with Mm -hmm. the Marlins not that long ago, died in that devastating boat accident but in the four years he pitched he threw he was 38 and 17 so i don't always love winning percentage for a pitcher i think it's a little unfair but 69 percent winning percentage 258 career over a career era over four seasons 471 innings he struck out 589 batters some of those years we're talking 170 innings 180 strikeouts the last year 180 innings 253 strikeouts like his stuff was as good as anything i've ever seen in just my life, absolutely dominant. Uh, that's, uh
0: I again, mean, there's different criteria that we look at uh, on lists that, and not just uh, longevity uh, or consistency, those are good qualities, but you need that period of dominance. And from right out of the gate, that's what he was. Very special player. 20 to
1: 23, right? He was done at the age of 23. Unfortunately, he died. So we saw him really young, and it could have been a longer game. We're well, already at 38 wins through 23. Maybe, I mean, he had not a great chance at it, but he could have pitched. 15 more years, 18 more years, right? To get into his early 40s, and who knows what could have been there. Yeah, excellent name to, to bring up as far as the
0: potential and uh, just how dominant he was in, in that short stretch. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of guys you can, can put here. For me, uh, it was hard trying to c- c- categorize some guys who uh, – the, the stats that you look at today is just a different era – so you look at someone like a Tom Seaver, Yeah, uh, I had
1: him on my just miss list too, yeah.
0: And uh, obviously, but changed the the New York Mets franchise, known very well with them, uh, an excellent pitcher overall. But he only had one season of uh, five strikeouts per nine. Hmm. Like just a different era. It wasn't the, the strikeout artist the way that uh, baseball has emerged into at this point. Uh, an excellent pitcher, uh, but on my just just miss list.
1: I have well. I have one more on my just missed list, and that's one Marichal. I want to talk about quick. First ever game, he one hit the opponent, gave up one walk, and struck out twelve, and that just shows how good he was. Like two hundred and forty four complete games, fifty two shutouts in his career. You know, Led his team to the, I think it was nineteen fifty nineteen sixty two World Series, but they lost that year. Career ERA of two eighty nine with six seasons of twenty wins, ten time All Star. I just say, but there was a five year stretch where his highest ERA was two seventy six with that massive leg kick. So I, I mean, it's an amazing. He's an amazing pitcher, right? One of the greatest pitchers of all time. But I just only had nine positions.
0: <laughs> what, yeah, the just missed list is, uh, is insane. Uh, I'm gonna the the rest of the guys I have on here is uh, Christy Mathewson, uh, and someone can have him up in their top three. Uh, like I said it's it's hard trying to, uh, to parse this down. It was hard trying to do the, uh. uh like the guys from the dead ball era. Here's a guy who was at 2.27 career uh, FIP, uh, field independent pitching. Uh, a career 4.71 uh, strikeouts per nine, right? Just a different era. Dominant uh, during that era. One of the most dominant pitchers of that era.
1: Oh, I'm going to get to him. So He's I'll, pretty high on you, my list.
0: I'll, I'll let you uh, dive up uh, f- uh, further with him. Uh, Here's your number nine.
1: Who's your number nine? Bob, Bob Feller.
0: Off. That's my number nine.
1: Well, I'll, I'll let you uh, okay. uh,
0: dive in first.
1: Uh, nicknamed Rapid Robert for the huge fastball and the K numbers, including 15 in his first ever start and 17 later that season. So, his first start, he starts his Big League career at the age of 17, having never pitched the minors. He had to go back after his first season to graduate high school in Iowa. <laughs> he had to return to graduate high school. He actually has three straight pitching triple crowns from 1939 to 1941. The pitching triple crown, meaning he led the league in wins, ERA, and strikeouts, his first three three seasons, but then something happens. So ages 20 to 22, those are amazing years. He doesn't get a Cy Young award yet because there was no Cy Young award yet, but he was the top three in the MVP all three years. But as you know, 1941, the world changes. So after he has three straight dominant years, he enlists right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He enlists two days later. Yeah. I was
0: gonna say The next day or the, the, the day after yeah, that. He
1: yeah. actually had a deferment too. He couldn't, he could have deferred it. He could have worked his family's farm in Iowa and would have been able to defer it, but he misses three full series seasons serving his country returning in 45 and really doesn't miss a beat. He wins two more pitching triple crowns in 46 and 47 before winning a World Series in 1948. Never left the Cleveland Indians. And another uh, one who's got an award named after him, the Active Valor Award, which goes to veterans who probably serve their country when we need it most. So obviously a great human being too. Positive war every season, four seasons over five, including a 10 in 1946.
0: Also someone that was uh, played a large role from the player perspective and the push towards uh, equality. Uh, and uh, inclusion for uh, uh, minority uh, baseball players uh, being able to uh, uh, take that next step uh, in the uh, as part of the ranks. and, and he, uh, again, a lot of players try to put their head down and just plow through. Uh, didn't want that uh, on their or on their back or a target potentially with it, and he was very vocal in trying to uh, lead that change. So uh, on
1: and off the field, uh, an excellent person. He gave up like, no home runs ever too. That's when you look back at his the the number that stands out is the fact like 62 innings in this first season he gave up one home run. He has a 370 inning season where he gives up 11. That is just I mean you, we saw people in 60 in, in 60 games last season give up <laughs> way more than that. So I, I and it that's past the dead ball era. You're, you're in the 50s by that point. So we're talking about like Willie Mays is a contemporary of him and some of those guys and he's still not giving up home runs. So that's that's awesome. Congratulations Bob Feller, you had a great career. If we both had number nine, I wonder if we're, I'm guessing this is a different one. My number eight is Satchel Paige. Uh, mine is will be different. Okay, so my number eight is Satchel Paige. And this one is really hard to quantify, so it's going to be a lot of stories. But born in Mobile, Alabama, which I just said really deserves a baseball nickname because that's Hank Aaron and him and I believe Willie McCovey, if I'm not mistaken, are all from Mobile. Uh, 1906, but he never would really tell people when he was actually born because that was like his legend. So Leroy Page, nicknamed Satchel for for everything it said from a contraption he created as a kid to help him carry multiple bags, also known as satchels at a time. He learned the famous wind-up in his pitching while he was at a reform school in Alabama. Uh, It's you can't really tell how many teams he played for how many games he played. He played in the Negro Leagues, the Mexican League, the Cuban League, the Puerto Rican League, the Canadian League, the major leagues and he barnstormed. So here's his personal estimates. And these are just mind boggling. But as you know, he's kind of a storyteller. He said he had more than 2500 games pitched. He thought he had about 2000 victories. 200 or so shutouts. He struck out 22 in a game. He threw somewhere in the round of 50 no-hitters. At one time, he said he won 21 straight games, 62 innings where he didn't give up a run, and one day alone, he pitched three times, won three separate games, and that year, he said he threw 150 games. Now, it's not all tall tales attached to him. There are obviously some great memories. Uh, Most famously, game two of the Negro League World Series, it said, he stepped up to the plate, he purposely loaded the bases in order to reach Josh Gibson, who's their great slugger, and he told his outfielders to sit down, because he didn't need them, and he struck him out on three straight pitches, and uh, that 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 apparently is proven fact. So even the big league career is unique, he came to Cleveland after Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, he helped them win the World Series, and then he pitched again at the age of 58 in 1965, he came back and threw a little bit. First African-American player inducted into the Hall of Fame, and uh, and when Joe DiMaggio says you're the f- best pitcher he ever faced, you're probably doing something right. So it is hard to quantify what we've seen with Satchel Page, but the stories are incredible.
0: I'm going to just uh, continue the story trend here, and I'll just be short when we get to him on, on my list. But uh, just perfect time to add in the mm-hmm. – I don't know if there is someone who has more of a, a uh, the, the legends created. Uh, it's him and, or Babe Ruth, right? And, and Yeah, and Babe Ruth is more just the iconic home run, the calling your shot. But as as far as more uh, more stories, there's none. There is no one who has more stories than Satchel Paige. Uh, and a similar uh, story that took place with uh, the, the 1948 St. Louis Browns. Uh, he struck out Carl uh, Yastrzemski's father uh, for one of the outs, uh, but a player named Jerry McCarthy, who was just uh, uh, just a rookie, uh, belted a triple off the center field fence. Satchel stood there shaking his head in disbelief, but then did what you've heard of the legend before, just like what you mentioned in a different story. He pulled all of his players except his catcher off the field, telling them to sit down and watch. Nine pitches, three strikeouts later, McCarthy was stranded at third.
1: Uh, so multiple times he has done uh, that very thing. Uh, there was talk of him, I think it was DiMaggio said, he thought he was throwing like 101 miles an hour. So, I mean, you can't, like I said, you can't, we don't know that. We don't know that. We didn't have radar guns till. I don't the '90s. I don't even know when that came around, but obviously he threw hard.
0: <laughs> uh, someone described him as the greatest pitcher we didn't get really get to see, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's uh, very very accurate at this point. Uh, but you mentioned at age fifty eight, at age sixty, uh, his last major league baseball appearance. He was almost sixty. He retired nine of the ten batters he faced. That's awesome. That's incredible, I, man. If you're doing that at at forty two. To uh, you make your major league baseball debu- debut at 42. This is what you're doing at 58 and 60. Like, if you watch, there's uh, Julio Franco, mm-hmm. uh, as about age 60, 62, right in that range, taking batting practice. The guy still looks ripped. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but if you're able to do that at the major league level, uh, I don't care what era you're in. If you're doing it at that age, just imagine what your prime is. So, that'll be part of my motivation for having him higher up on my list. Uh, but number nine for me. Uh, I started with the the more recent. So I have Pedro Martinez here. And number uh, eight. You're eight. You, mean, you said nine. You mean eight, right? Yep, correct. Okay, sorry. sorry. So number eight. Uh, number eight, Pedro Martinez. Here's someone who you could uh, easily make the case the most dominant season by a starting pitcher uh, in uh, Major League Baseball history. Mm-hmm.
1: 1999. Yeah, that's yep. that big year where with the Red Sox. Yeah, he, he's going to come up on mine. But yeah, he had some incredible seasons there.
0: Uh, my number was escaping me for that. I just wanted to grab that sure. the 99 numbers. Uh, the ERA uh, in the American League that year was like 4.7, like the league average. Mm-hmm. His ERA that year was 1.39. Uh, that is just uh, insane. 11.6 wins above replacement, 13.2 uh, uh, Ks per nine, uh, Another guy who never gave up home runs ever. Yeah. 0.38 yeah. was his number from that Hardly year. Hardly ever did he give up home runs. Uh, so, multiple times Cy Young winner uh, in his prime. No one wanted to face him. The changeup.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah like, kind of like the original. He just made you look bad. Devastating changeup out there. But what, that's what happens when you throw I don't know, 97 on uh, you hard and then you have a changeup like he had. He's going to be a little higher up on mine. He was part of that group, the,
0: the what might have been. Uh, the. Uh, uh, 94 Expos, mm-hmm. like the, the team that had so much talent, but because of the uh, the, the break in the year, uh, no one had a chance to see what that team could fully do. Uh, but here was someone who was not, you think of someone like, uh, uh, we're going to talk other player names, but uh, like Bob Gibson, or you think of uh, Satchel Paige, these long, tall guys, these menaces that are there. That's not Pedro Martinez. He was not looked at in the same breath. Because he was most unassuming person. Uh, he's about my size, 5'11", 195 pounds. Uh, so most unassuming player, but that
1: arm uh, could do amazing things. It's yeah. Yeah. Definitely not size wise. Like you said, Bob Gibson, like Roger Clemens, right. Whether it's, we can talk about that in a little bit too, but you know, some of these guys are huge and no Pedro Martinez did it with, I said, it's the changeup, right. As long as you can throw hard and then you have a changeup like he had, people got way ahead of it and started swinging. He's going to come up a little more earlier in mine. So let's go to my number seven. It's Denton Young, also known as Cy short for cyclone. When the best pitcher award is named after you, you make the list automatically. So once again, this is a whole different era, so it's it's hard to quantify this because some of these numbers are just absurd compared to what we see today. So first ever perfect game and a no-hitter at age 41, which is the oldest no-hitter for 80 years. Uh, it's uh, Most all-time wins, most all-time innings, most all-time complete games, but it's also the most all-time losses. It's also the most all-time earned runs. So that's why he's a little lower on mine. Uh, the wins and complete, those will never be broken. It's There's barely anybody within 100, I think, all-time for wins, and no one's within 100 for his complete games. So 20-plus wins, 16 times. We were just talking, do you see that hardly – if somebody does that this year, it's like they're going to get the Cy Young, right? Because one, maybe two pitchers a year get 20 wins now, and he won 35 times yeah the numbers being totally different again a four-man rotation versus five at that point now we're going uh, to six yeah we've talked about it. a lot of teams are going that, to six yeah. right so yeah it's you just don't see that type of stuff it pitching triple crown in 1901 which was the first year of the AL he pitched for the Boston Americans that year the reason I have him this low and once again you could certainly make the case, he's got the award named after him he has the most wins of all time it's it's just sheer volume right like It is sheer volume, and that's why he also leads in losses, and he leads in earned runs. And so 18 seasons over five where he was an excellent pitcher, amazing pitcher. You could certainly make the case he's the best pitcher of all time. But I moved him down here because he also gave up lots and lots of runs in his career.
0: Yeah, he's going to be higher in mind, but you've made the case very well on on the wide range that you could place him for all, all those reasons mentioned. My uh, number eight again. It's the same thing. Like I said, we're gonna, uh, of all the lists. This is the one that we're going to be the most different on, and and I think most people when when you put together this list, it's the most wide ranging. Uh, it's just so hard to parse this down, and it's not a slight to anyone because you can make the the case for any of these pitchers. Uh, but here is why I place Roger Clemens. Uh, and uh, by wins above replacement, you could place him of, uh much higher up on this list. Uh, career 133.1, wins above replacement. Uh, you're talking about a uh, rookie of the year winner, uh, 12-time All-Star, three uh, NL Cy Youngs. Uh, seven total. He had yeah. Seven total,
1: right? Because he had some yeah. in the
0: AL, the most all-time, seven Cy Youngs. So you put all that together, uh, 311 wins, uh, 61 shutouts. Uh, again, just the, as elite as you will find a, a person,
1: uh elite as you'll find a pitcher uh, in the modern era so clemens is my six so i'm fine talking about him here uh i absolutely believe he took performance enhancing drugs uh, but that has never stopped us from ranking we make very bonds very high and i believe that roger clemens deserves to be in the hall of fame now once again he should get the asterisk or the mm-hmm. separate wing and it should be mentioned that yeah he absolutely pitched there's a reason that at the age of 42 he had a 187 era that uh, he's very good he had a eighteen and four season at the age of forty one, where he threw two hundred and fourteen innings. That is not normal. Uh, I probably was yep. based off the fact that he was taking performance enhancing drugs, but uh, he was very good before that. I don't believe he took those back. Like in this first run around with Boston, I don't think he was necessarily oh, he's a on those. kid. Yeah, he was small, uh, right? And he was he won a couple of Cy Young awards there, two, three Cy Young awards there, and was amazingly good. So. It's the longevity of his career that I think got extended by the performance enhancing drugs. But seven Cy Young Awards. He was the first batter person to strike out 20 batters in a game, and he did it yes. twice, 10 years apart. So no one else had ever done that at that point. And he did it twice. Uh, he won an MVP award in there. And his is a lot of postseason success, success too. 12 yep. different postseasons, including Boston, the Yankees, and Houston, won a couple of World Series. And. Like I said it it's a, he did lose some velocity down the stretch, and so he did learn to pitch a little bit differently, but his thing is his career just extends so long, probably because of the, the steroids, but he's my number six, so I can certainly understand where you ranked him there too. Or seven you had him, right? Correct. Sorry, so I had him at six. So who's your seven? My seven was Cy Young, so oh, right your six. Right.
0: So my six is Greg Maddox, uh the uh the control artist, right? The person who could uh just uh, like a paintbrush, just move that ball around the plate wherever and whenever he wanted to. And, uh, such an elite, uh, uh pitcher for, uh, control. His yeah. is all control based, yes. right? His
1: is all like revolutionizing control. So we're talking about guys who limit home runs. He limits home runs and he limits walks.
0: The, Obviously had the very good Chicago years, and more known for the the Atlanta Braves uh, as part of like their big three with what they had. But very good right out of the right out of the gate, uh, and uh, pitched from nineteen eighty six to uh, to two thousand and eight. And I'm struggling to find my my numbers that I had on him here. Uh, for uh, Greg Maddox, here's someone who had 18 gold gloves. Uh, you, you think about the, straight, the
1: defense, straight 18 gold gloves. After uh, no, yep. sorry, 13 straight. He missed one year in between there. I, ha- I have that one coming the up. Oth- yeah, the 03. Yeah, yep, otherwise, one year. It was... 18 gold gloves, including 13 straight. Yeah, so when you get a ton of ground balls like you did, you have to be able to field your position. Zach Greinke, we talked about Zach Greinke, is another excellent fielder, but nobody compares to Greg Maddox's defense at the mound.
0: Four consecutive Cy Youngs from 92 to
1: 95. Uh, we I mentioned think that how that was started. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut oh, you off. No, I ahead. think that was before him. I'm pretty sure it's Tom Glavin. So I think the Braves actually had five straight. I think you're correct on that.
0: Uh, and then you have we talk about how hard it is to get to 300, and even at, at that point, but 355
1: career wins is amazing. Yeah. I, I He's going to be higher on mine. So I, I don't want to j- jump all my stuff out here. But what I, I'll say this. When you look at Greg Maddox, it comes down to me. It comes down to, I've said, I, there's three things I love about the pitchers. It's striking out guys and not giving up walks. He struck out 3,371, and he walked less than 1,000. So 3 to 1, almost a little higher than that. That's an amazing ratio. Uh, my number, we're on my number 5. Before you okay. grab him, I'll
0: just give you one last note that Go in the during that stretch of the four straight Cy Young Awards, he had an ERA of 1.98. It was nearly a full run less than any other starter over that span. That's how dominant he was in comparison uh, to the rest of the league.
1: Well, that's when the, we're talking about these balls being juiced, right? Or the balls juiced, and you got Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire in the National League and Barry Bonds taking steroids. So, yeah, he was is, he is incredible. My number five is another guy who, unfortunately, just passed away in October of last year. It's Bob Gibson. So, master of intimidation. Very, very impressive pitcher. Actually, I didn't know this. He played basketball at Creighton? I did not know that, and he actually did some work with the Harlem Globetrotters.
0: I did not know that.
1: I was doing some research, and I figured that out. So, signed with the Cards, though, in 1957 before debuting in 1959, and he was decent for the first couple years, but in 1962, his career takes off. And then he leads the Cardinals to World Series in 64 and 67, and he gets the World Series MVP both times with what is described as dominant performances against the Yankees and the Red Sox, and the numbers back it up. Starting in 1965, he was the first really good, amazing defensive pitcher with won nine straight gold gloves. And with him, it comes down to 1968. It's called the year of the pitcher, and he's the best of the best that year. It's He won the Cy Young and the MVP, and that's the year that they forced Major League Baseball to lower the mound because he was so good that people couldn't hit him. So 1968, he pitches to 22 and nine in 304 innings. Uh, I have the wrong yeah, – No, 304 innings, a .32 ERA. Or that's not the ERA. That is the wrong spot. 112 ERA. So he was amazing. That you're forced Major League Baseball to lower the mound. Won another Cy Young Award in '71. Father time started to catch up to him. Became a pitching coach for a lot of time, a long time, and so taught his craft to others.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll have some uh some notes on him when I get there as well. Just like uh just like Satchel Paige, there's a lot of stories. There's a lot of uh, uh information on just just how dominant he was. And I did find a note on the you mentioned the Harlem Globetrotters made a name for himself dunking. At so
1: six foot one at least I too. So yeah, that's an athlete right there where you can dunk at six one because you said you're five eleven. That's only a couple inches. Can you get that close?
0: Uh, no, uh, okay. I I fit the poster boy of one, a white there.
1: man can't jump. If I was 6'1", I feel like I'd be there, but, you know, 5'8", what can I say? Uh,
0: for me, as we crack into my uh, starting five, this is where I do have Nolan Ryan. Uh, oh, yeah, Bob Gibson
1: would have been my number five, sorry. my Bob Gibson's my five.
0: So then, uh, Nolan Ryan, I, I put him here for this reason. Uh, and like I said, I know he's not on, he didn't, uh, as. that's how many good pitchers there are, he's not even on your top nine. He will not be on my top uh, nine. But Nolan Ryan, it's the, the consistency from 1972 to 1993. He was over three wins uh, above replacement per season. Average, uh, every single year was, was above that. His career, he had a, a field independent pitching under 3.75. His ERA was under 3.75. When you take a look at the era in which he pitched, uh, but that many seasons uh, from 72 to 93, 21 seasons, where that's what you average the entire time. Uh, obviously, had the 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 strikeout artist was there. He's known for the he brought in the uh, the K's uh, into that generation of, of baseball and fans to, uh, enjoyed watching the strikeout. He's the one who could all of a sudden pick up uh, just in one game the unhittable, right? Just he yeah, he I mean, had that like, talent on every time he went out there for the possibility. And if I'm not mistaken, he leads baseball in most no hitters uh, pitched.
1: Yeah, with a lot of them, I think it's. Seven no-hitters. Yeah, he, he had seven no-hitters. So, yeah, he that's, that's still a record. I think it's three more than anyone else, but when you're talking about... He certainly revolutionized pitching, absolutely. He, yep. He's really the one who brought the strikeout to the forefront of the game. He had a 380 se- strikeout season in 1973, a 367 strikeout season the year after that. So, I, sw- I have to argue why I don't have him on here, because he is the all-time leader in strikeouts. He is the all-time leader in fewest hits per nine innings, too, according to baseball reference. So, He could limit hits. Now, the reason he did not make mine, and there's a couple, right? He's the all-time leader in walks, so he is a much better version. I hate to make this comparison. He's a much better version of my boy Robbie Ray, right? Where who can he can walk a lot of guys and he can strike out a lot of guys, but that's the reason. I he's very erratic pitching, and it it shows in his record too. Well, he has 324 wins, which is great, right? We said 300 wins, you're an automatic Hall of Famer. He also has 292 losses. So it's a 52% winning percentage, and I I said earlier, I don't like winning percentage necessarily for pitchers. But part of that is because he's staying in games long. He's eating a lot of innings, and that's how you get wins and losses. But if you compare it to some of these guys, that winning percentage isn't particularly close to someone, say, Bob Gibson. I'll pull Bob Gibson back up here. His winning percentage had been uh, 59%. So he only won 250 games, but he only lost 170. It's just – Nolan Ryan is excellent. Absolutely excellent pitcher, but – he didn't make my top nine because too many walks and too many losses.
0: I was trying to pull up the uh, who has the most uh, career innings uh, pitched, and so I'm just pulling that up on Baseball Reference as we as we talk here, because I I believe that's definitely part of, uh, definitely part of uh, Nolan Ryan's uh, information. Over five thousand uh, innings pitched for him. You know
1: 5,386. He is fifth on that list. So Cy Young, who we mentioned, is 1,300 ahead of everybody else at 7,300. Pod Galvin, who's I not on my list. I've never heard of Pod Galvin, but he's in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Pod. Through 6,003. Walter Johnson, who neither one of us has mentioned, but I'm sure he's coming on yours and he was coming on mine, is 5,914. Phil Niekro, who did not make either of our lists, but certainly you can make the case as a top 10 pitcher of all time. If someone wanted to do that, I'd listen. Is five thousand four hundred four, and then Nolan Ryan. So I'm.
0: It makes it hard when you think of again. We talked about winning percentage being a challenging stat. Uh, for this one, it's hard because you have a guy who's pitching more innings in this era than than just about every other person who's listed there who's who's above. So he's pitching more innings than anyone else, which is also how you're going to get the strikeouts when you have that type of ability. The walks obviously are going to be there too, but I look at it as uh, I'm not rating a walk uh, lower than I am a hit. So you're putting people on base. I don't care how you're doing it. Are you making sure they're not crossing the plate? Uh, And so that more or less is, is why I was able to reconcile putting him on uh, not only a top nine, but a top five for the other numbers mentioned, and the level of consistency for that many years. But uh, I do understand at the same time, anyone who makes the argument, you know, walks are something that you can control, uh, and and how that can knock him down on uh, on on other lists uh, as well. So, uh, so it's hard to your, make
1: this list, isn't it? It is. I want to bring up just 1977 as a perfect example of Nolan Ryan. So he th- pitches 37 games that year. He finishes 22 of them. So 299 innings. He led baseball in strikeouts, 341. He led baseball in walks. 204. 204 is a lot of walks. He led baseball in wild pitches, but he gave up six hits per nine. So he led baseball in that. He gave up the fewest home runs per nine. That was one thing he's very good at. He walked over six. So he actually walked more per nine than he gave up hits per nine. So it is just a skill set that you don't see very often. It's he goes 19-16. So he goes nineteen sixteen. It's It's an amazingly weird skill set, which I, I guess I just couldn't value quite the same way that you did. And that's he, fine. He is the. Uh, the epitome of the the three outcome uh,
0: yes. of, of today. And I detest but for pitchers, that guy, and I don't like right?
1: that pitcher as much as others. Perhaps like that's probably my thing. I don't like people who walk so many batters, and that's as I said, very good, but just not for me. Well, and, and that does make it frustrating to watch. Overall, yep. the, the numbers
0: are good, and when he's on that day, there's no one that's more of a master at the at the mound than what he is. But when he's not, uh, those walks uh, again, it, it is
1: frustrating to watch for sure. So who do you have for your? My uh, number next four. Up? You already brought up, so this would be my number four, and that's Pedro Martinez. So yep. I'll, you did a lot of this. Uh, born in the Dominican Republic, along with his future twenty win gaming twenty game winning brother Ramon Martinez, another pitcher. Uh, Pedro signed with the Dodgers, which I did not know that. But his brother was already on the Dodgers. He signed with the Dodgers and pitched in relief for the Dodgers for one season before he got traded to the Expos, as you mentioned, for Delano De Shields, whose son is. If he's not currently in the game, was in the game a couple of years ago for the rangers and it's that's where he really figured it out was with the expo it's the big fastball the big changeup. that's where he gets his first cy young award with a 190 era he's going to be a free agent though and so we they they weren't gonna be able to keep him so they traded him to boston and that's for carl pavano and tony armis and that's where he, they boston immediately did what they wouldn't do with mookie Betts and locked him into a long-term deal and what a deal it was because a couple more cy young awards a couple of triple crowns the best whip ever in 2000, the lowest whip that we've ever seen in one year he had in the year 2000. Uh, shoulder problems he had in 2001, but it was basically backed up dominance. He really should have won another Cy Young Award, but Barry Zito got it that year. And, you know, big he, big part of stopping one of the most famous curses in the history of this game, right? To 2004, the Red Sox win the World Series. He's a big part of that. Bounces around a little bit at the end of his career. But it, here's what i will say. He would talk about the strikeouts with Nolan Ryan, and he only has, Pedro only has 3,154, but he only walks 760. Yep. It is a much different thing, and his winning percentage is 70%. So that's the reason that I'll put someone like Pedro ahead of Nolan Ryan every time. The The 1999 season, he has an absurd 11.6 wins above replacement, which means that he by himself essentially accounts for a tenth of the team's wins, or a ninth of the team's wins, actually.
0: Ten seasons of five wins above replacement or more? uh, again, uh it was uh he didn't have as many like a lot of these pitchers on the on these lists can go twenty some years mm-hmm. uh, with it that was not him but he was more more elite years uh, that were uh, together still a very long career uh, but uh, made up for the the length with the uh, the dominance uh, there this is where I ranked at four I have Satchel page mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we've already talked about a lot of the stats but just just hearing these numbers from when he started Major League Baseball at age 42 uh the the win loss wasn't there as 28 wins 31 losses but f- uh, four shutouts 476 innings pitched a 3.29 era uh, 20 288 strikeouts a 1.279 uh, whip this is at age 42 and beyond okay so this is uh these are good numbers for anybody but especially at this level of his uh, and time frame of his career. This is truly, though, what might have been. If given the full chance to be in the majors during this time, but I think we have enough information here, not only legend stories, but enough information based on what he did later in his career that you can accurately retroactive, like, backdate the numbers. And, and he would have been. Numbers wise, one of the top five pitchers of all time. His arm must have been made of like rubber because
1: if if what he says, some of the stuff is true, some (laughs) of the stories are true. His ability to throw innings is just unmatched, right? Uh, Absolutely. Since Cy Cy Young, right? Like, and that's 50 years earlier. So once we started to learn about pitching like arms and giving him rest, his arm apparently was made of rubber because from what you hear, he could pitch continuously. My number three is someone who didn't make your list. You mentioned him. Uh, that is Christy Mathewson. So yep. he, I have him way up here on mine. Yep. And it is, he plays football and baseball at Bucknell, signed by the Giants, drafted by the Reds in the Rule 5 draft, yet another unbelievable Rule 5 draft pick, but mm. traded back to the Giants. They drafted him from the Giants and traded him back. But he eventually got traded back to Cincinnati in the end of his career and <laughs> moved into a manager role in Cincinnati in 1918. His first full year at the age of 20, he won 20 games with a 241 ERA. He won over 30 games four times, including 37 in 1908 when he threw 390 innings. From 1901 to 1914, he won over 20 games every year but one. He led baseball in ERA five times, including twice winning the pitching triple crown. He won the World Series in 1905. In that year, he in that World Series, he pitched three complete game shutouts. He listed to serve in World War One, where he was accidentally gassed in a training exercise, which led to tuberculosis, which he battled and died at the age of 45 after battling it for seven years. He's one of the original five in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, Fangrass credits him with 11 seasons over five WAR, including a 10.8. The reason I have Christy Mathewson so high on this list, you're talking about 4,788 innings. He gave up 89 home runs in 4,788 innings. And that's the type of stuff like limiting home runs. Now, once again, different game, right? It is also 1,900 and 1,916. There isn't a bunch of home runs, but. All, all the numbers are competitive. He only pitches 17 years. So you're talking about, we were just talking about a lot of these guys pitched 20, 25 plus years. He pitched 17 and the stretch of dominance between roughly 1904 to 1912 is just incredible. Like some of these FIPS, he had one, two, he had five consecutive years where he did his FIPS. So fielding independent percentage didn't touch two. His career number was 2.27.
0: Yeah. It's a, he was. It's hard characterizing these guys other than to say you have to look at their era and how dominant were they in their era. It's hard to compare stats from different generations because from the ball variations to just the different game. But in their era, how dominant was someone? And Christy Matthewson was one of like two or three most dominant pitchers for a 15-year stretch. So you having him either in your top nine or top three
1: to not being at all like he's very worthy of, of 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 that placing. I just talked 1908 really quick. So 390 innings, that's this season. He won 37 games with a 143 ERA. He started 44 games that year. He pitched 34 complete games, shut him out 11 times, and for the heck of it, he just said, oh, I'll have five saves, two in there. <laughs>
0: the, uh, yeah, just an, an amazing pitcher across the board, uh, one of the most dominant of the dead ball era. Uh, Bob Gibson, I have ranked at my number three. And the only stat that I'm going to add to everything is uh, uh, to, to what you had before was his World Series dominance uh, of, of, of all the things that he's known for, and probably the most intimidating pitcher of all time. Oh, yeah, uh, it definitely, I think so. uh, it was his mound uh, and his plate, uh, and everyone knew it. And I think when he we talked about some of these stories when he went, uh, on this when he passed that unfortunately, week, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, and uh, so we mentioned, some of those stories that are there, but again, the stat that I'll give here. Uh, Is nine games started in the World Series, seven and two record, 1.89 ERA, eight complete games, two shutouts, and the still standing record of 17 strikeouts in one game
1: in the World Series. That is incredible. So, you actually talked about my number two already, and that is Greg Maddox, revolutionized control. Uh, I'll say his first couple years with the Cubs, he posted an ERA over five, including having a losing six and 14 season in 1987. Then he's like, I'm sticking tired of this. So, he didn't post another losing season until 2005. 18 straight winning season including 17 seasons of over 15 wins uh, you mentioned the defense obviously he moves from the cubs to the braves in the middle of that and he's part of that 11 straight years where the braves won the nl east which we can talk about with smoltz and glavin because i'm sure they're going to come up to here uh they a team dominance for a long time there and so finally just the iron man of pitchers right 23 total seasons one dl stint one DL stint in 23 years and they're in positive war of all 22 seasons or all 23 seasons, 12 seasons over five incredible pitcher, Greg Maddox. There will never be someone, uh,
0: like him as far as control artists. Like we can pick different things about pitchers and say, no one's topping this and a, a characteristic. And I think be, be very good. This one, very confident saying there will never be another person who can control the baseball the way that Greg Maddox did. Uh, did he benefit in the later part of his career of the Greg Maddox
1: strike zone? Oh, no, absolutely. Him and Tom uh, Glavin, right? Him uh, and Tom Glavin. The Braves figured that out. And so And they, they took advantage they of those wide amban- corners. Yes, uh, they should have, right? Like yep, if you got it, take absolutely. advantage of it.
0: Uh, but you only get that uh you only get those strikes that. if you earned it. Yeah, absolutely. You, they earned those strikes that they got uh, down there. So uh an excellent pitcher. Uh here is where I have Cy Young. Uh and for a lot of the reasons that you uh, already mentioned uh, and, and Cy Young has the, I uh, said, the numbers on everything, right? It's pretty much the whole book uh, is his. you uh, said the all-time wins leader, all-time uh, losses leader, 76 shutouts, uh, all-time leader in innings pitched, uh, all-time complete games uh, leader, games started. It's it's all there. Uh, and, again, I go back to uh, when they named the award after you, uh that shows you that baseball itself has recognized your dominance and ability. And so when they want to talk about a pitcher who's the the best of that year, to name it after you, says how good you were. Yeah. Does
1: this mean we actually have the same number? That was your number two, right?
0: Yep. So I I should also mention 131 uh, wins above replacement. The only (laughs) pitcher I have found to be more than that, you might have a list better than I, but uh, it was Clemens at 133.7.
1: I don't have. That's probably right. So that would make. So Young sense. was yeah. right up through. And that's said, That's partially. You know, Cy Young, they're they're spitting on the ball back then. That's how he's cheating. But uh, <laughs> other than that, like his arm was just that good. So that must mean we both have Walter Johnson number one. Is that we right? Do. Wow. So that despite is amazing. having guys
0: that weren't even on each other's lists, we amazing. are in agreement on the the top.
1: Okay. So Walter ace Johnson, I, the big train is his nickname, and here's the quote from Ty Cobb: "Just speed, raw speed, blinding speed, too much speed." That's what Ty Cobb said about him. So Walter Johnson gets to the big league with just a fastball and develops in the curveball while in the dom- big leagues, which makes him more dominant. And 10 straight 20-win seasons, including a couple MVP awards in there. Because guess what? There was no Cy Young award because he was a contemporary of Cy Young. 1913 is the year. Johnson, 36 and 7, a 114 ERA. Baseball reference that year gives him a war of. Fifteen that season, which is the single season total for any, that's the highest one I've ever seen since 1900. He actually has another 13 on that list, which would be, I believe, the second highest one ever. 666 career starts, not the greatest number in all time, but, you know, he didn't have a choice in that. 666 career start, pitch complete games, 531 of the times. He started a game and he said, yep, I'm done. I'm finishing this with a 110 shutouts, which is still the most ever.
0: More than Roger Clemens, Greg Maddox, Pedro Martinez, and Clayton Sher- Kershaw combined. Wow,
1: that's impressive. Career leader in strikeouts for 50 years. So it must have been Nolan Ryan that beat it, so 3,509. I would guess that's Nolan Ryan who beat that. Won a couple of World Series, including one in 1924 for the Senators. It's You bring up baseball reference, it's littered with bold. He's littered with bold. It's not the gold, like Cy Young has all the gold, but I would say his seasons were just more dominant. So Fan Crafts credits him with 11 seasons over 5 war. He pitches 21 seasons. He wins 417 games, which would be second most all-time with a career 217 ERA. From
0: 1910 to 1924, so in 14 seasons, he led the AL in strikeouts 12 of those Mm. seasons. Uh, Referred to by one as the gentleman flamethrower, because it wasn't simply the hardest-throwing pitcher of his era, but he reportedly wouldn't throw inside for fear of hurting someone. Uh, So the exact opposite of a Bob Gibson.
1: That's not Bob Gibson, uh, would not do that.
0: And yet, despite uh, not wanting to cheat or back someone off the plate all that much, not not wanting to do the sweet chin music uh, type, yet still would, would strike you out and lead the AL in strikeouts, despite not doing that. You talk to most guys that lead leagues in strikeouts, they own all the parts plate, of that yeah. plate, absolutely. Uh, to be that good and not do that uh, is just that much more uh, uh, impressive. So uh, the numbers are there across the
1: board. 5,914 innings, 97 career strikeouts or home runs allowed. Fifty nine hundred innings, he gave up ninety seven strikeouts. Now, even in the dead ball era, that's still insane. And then they like, and by the end of that, you're you're into like murderers row Yankee territory, like nineteen twenties, like. And he's in the AL, so I'm assuming they played each other. And he's given up, you know, eight home runs in two hundred innings, two hundred seventy five innings. He's given up eight home runs. That is insane.
0: He was uh, remained successful into the live live ball era, even though he was in his mid to late thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, the. I'm
1: amazed we had the same number one. That is just shocking to me. But that uh, one, great uh, minds, I guess, or something, or well, just that, idiots.
0: No, uh, well, any, any, <laughs> and all the above. Uh, I think part of this was my appreciation by doing the study on. Uh, if you've ever seen the, oh, now it's, it's the great baseball uh, documentary, the by Ken Burns, by Ken Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was how I grew to understand and appreciate uh, the different eras of baseball, uh, and also kind of put some of these guys in different categories or understand not only their context, but then how do you evaluate them as a whole? And uh, if you watch that, Walter Johnson was a whole thing unto himself. Uh, and uh, yeah, so a fascinating uh, a pitcher, fascinating time period, uh, and uh, ace of aces. Yes,
1: he was. You had to, what were more questions now? You had some questions for us. Uh, yeah, I so I,
0: The last part I wanted to do was uh, who from today has the best chance to crack the top 10? So we mentioned, again, there's still more that could have been on the, on this list. Is there anyone that you would say today that even has a shot? Again, it's hard. I, we said not only from – we talk about the dead ball era, we talk about the live ball era, the steroid era. Uh, here
1: it's just the uh, – It's the bullpen short, era. There, yeah, a, this you. is going to go thank down you. as the, the bullpen, bullpen era, era is because we've learned how to utilize the bullpen. So here's why I hate – if there's one person on this list that I think could – I should make the hall of fame someday and couldn't make the top 10. Now he's already in his mid thirties and he started late. He's got started at 26 and that's, and he's never going to get the wins because the Mets are idiots. And that is Jacob DeGrom, right? If yes, there is a picture, he has 70 and 51. So he's got a 58% winning percentage. Now the Mets are spending up this year. So maybe he will finally get some wins, but DeGrom, it's like, the curse of the win. I don't think he will. I'm still not going <laughs> to say he gets, so he will not have a winning record this year. I'm going to go ahead and predict. Wow. It. Okay. You, you do that. Uh, so we've, we've seen him had a two years removed from a 1.7 ERA, which is absurd. He has a career 261 ERA. Now we're at 1,169 innings. He struck out 1,359. He already has two Cy Young Awards. You could certainly make the case he could have had a third last year. He led the league in strikeouts last year. He has not had a one whip since 2017. Like I said, he started a little late. He didn't get started until 26. There's a lot of times now where we consider pitchers who are starting at 26, like, oh, they passed it up. Like, he was not the Noah Syndergaard prospect. Noah Syndergaard was the bigger prospect of the two. And DeGrom is just a control artist who's amazing at it. So would he need to pitch eight more years, probably, of being pretty good? Yeah, I think so. He probably needs to pitch that long. Could he do it? Yeah, he doesn't really rely on... You're talking about Granky, right? Granky's amazing. He doesn't rely on velocity. DeGrom doesn't rely on velocity. It's unbelievable control and the fact that he limits hard contact really, really well. So that would be the name that I would throw out there. Just
0: continuing to improve over the last four seasons. His K per 9 has gone up uh, from 10.68 to 11.16, 11.25, 13.76 in the the pandemic-shortened season. Uh, his walks are staying right at about two uh, on average is home runs given up under one. Uh, all the numbers are, are there. The question is how long can he continue the dominance? Mm-hmm. Cause you're not going to have the innings. You're not going to have the wins that more of the classic stats. So now how can you still have the dominance listed? Uh, and if he keeps this up for like another four seasons like this,
1: uh, you'll, st- you will get in the conversation. It's like if you've had four more seasons equivalent to what we've just seen him put up in, he had a, I'm going back to fan now for a second. He had a nine wh- war a couple seasons ago, which and a seven, and even last year in 60 games, he had a 2.6. It could be something we mentioned Pedro, right? It's not as long of a stretch, maybe 10 years of really dominant times. And Degrom could do something like that with the Mets.
0: Absolutely. And I think if he has that, if he's able to get to, uh, uh, I think Pedro Mart- Martinez is the best comp for him as far as looking for that period of dominance. Uh, and, uh, if you at least get a couple more Cy Youngs thrown in there too, it uh, helps things uh, as well. But uh, he's also, it was a list of one for me. It's hard finding anyone right now that you could say, like I appreciate your Jose Fernandez uh, uh, mention in there, because that would have been someone that would have made that that list. For I'm, me, it's a list of one. Jake DeGrom, I don't find
1: anyone else that's at that level. He's the one who's most... Um- you know, we, Mac Scherzer is amazing, right? Max Scherzer is oh, yeah. incredible. Max Scherzer is going to be an in instant first ballot Hall of Famer, but correct. Yep, once again, he's 36 now, and the numbers are great, but his ERA is 3 2 1. And he, while he strikes out a lot of batters, he walks a lot too. And you know, Scherzer's great, Verlander's great. Verlander had a stretch though at the end of his Tigers career where people thought, Was he washed? Like he had to learn how to re-pitch, So that's why I don't think they're going to make the 10 best, you know, 10 best pitchers of all time once again guaranteed first ballot hall of famers. I think that Max Scherzer will make it and Justin Verlander will make it on this first try, but yep. I don't think they have enough years left in them, but they could be great for Max Scherzer could be great for two, three more years. He's been great. He's got three Cy Young awards, right? But I don't think he's got enough of a career left in him to make it to the top nine, a whole time, right-hander pitchers.
0: Scherzer's on a stretch of averaging. Six wins above replacement for the last eight
1: seasons. Oh, yeah, incredible. Uh, That's the, the, in the three Cy Young Awards in that time, right? And he it, finished second yeah. a couple of years ago? And then he let me down last year because the Nationals sucked. You can always hope for
0: uh, rolling it
1: back and uh, seeing what
0: else happens. Uh, there was uh, The
1: Nationals will not be my pick to win the World Series this year. Spoiler alert.
0: Uh, well, I'm surprised you're not uh, looking out for mm. your boy, Steven Strasburg, mm. who uh, mm. uh, said that he dealt with uh, numbness in his whole hand
1: yeah. uh, that led to surgery. I'm done. with Steven. Uh, I'm, I'm off. Steven Strasburg, we're done together, buddy. I, I don't know why I trusted you to pitch 60 innings, but we're, we're done. I'm Which done. Which means right now for you fantasy uh, baseball fans, <laughs> there's your Cy Young bye. winner
0: right there. That's that's right. a big buy. Speaking right. of, before we wrap up, we should at least mention you are uh, – <laughs> I, I can't believe it's taken a couple of podcasts to get there, but you're in uh, – Elite territory uh, as far
1: as uh, an interesting fantasy competition you got going on. I am in the TGFBI FBI, which stands for the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. So it is, I think, twenty nine maybe this year. Fifteen team leagues of, you know, the big names. of the is of the world is in one, and mine has Paul Sporer from Sleeper of the Bust of Fangraphs. Fame is in my league, and so yeah, we'll, we'll be drafting. It starts March first, and slow draft. I'll keep you informed on who I decide to take. I do not know my. I don't think I know my pick yet nope not yet so yeah justin mason of Fangraphs also sleeper in the bus fame is is the one who set these up and i submitted a application for the heater podcast and thank you justin mason for choosing us and we'll see how i do so uh, uh, last year it was with Scott White. I know. i just, man, I'm, I'm big time with you all
0: the time over here, bro. Uh, so uh, we have our own fantasy guru going on here and uh, trying, okay. to make, uh, trying to make, trying earn his bones. That's so right. we'll see uh, how this year goes as he's part of the, the Elite Invitational here, and we'll keep you posted on that throughout the season. Uh, to at least give you some reasons why to turn we'll in, like we week. might have half a clue to we'll what we're like talking a about. We'll like weekly update. Yeah. We'll make it a segment. So we'll uh, keep that up to, up to speed, and uh, who you draft, who your team ends up being, we'll take a look at that as we move forward as well. Uh, so in our next podcast, we will switch uh, to the other side of the the rubber, at least from the left-handed uh, side of things. We'll take a look at the greatest of all time for left-handed pitchers, and then we will wrap up with best relief pitchers of all time to complete the series. So uh, all those things coming up as we also monitor uh, spring training uh, getting underway and
1: uh, as uh, real games start happening here and yeah absolutely the baseball is coming up but we also should mention we've committed to it we are going to do the three nfl draft podcasts this year we're doing three of them that should be hopefully we'll get one out in the end of by the end of this month so that gives us a week or so to get the top five at each position the war room one and then we will do just like last year where we first did our first podcast ever together we did the mock, mock draft where we rotated back and forth on on the whim and we'll do that again and then we'll do a recap one so for you nfl aficionados tune in for those. The draft is always my, my favorite time of year. It's the the best uh, of all the sports. The best draft to watch. You're a Dolphins fan. The Packers have the Packers have had success, so I, I I love the draft. But like I can root for them until they lose, and then they just annoy me.
0: So even even during the Marino era, I I enjoyed the uh, the, the draft area. So no, I, can I enjoyed the draft more before we touched Jordan Love. Uh, that's <laughs> Hey, uh, that's the pick that led to uh, MVP season from uh, Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. he can throw as much shade on it as he wants, but bottom line is it lit a fire under his keister when he was looking a little bit uh, uh, less in an armored, less focused. Uh, and he turned in one of his best seasons. So Could have been. It could have been Chase Claypool is all I'm saying. The the what might have beens are there. It'll be fascinating to see what receiver they add. He's, uh, he's going to get a new toy this year. Uh, it's going. They're going to put someone on the opposite of Devonte Adams, uh, and it's going to be uh, one of the, the There's a good receiving core free agents uh, available here, and one of them is going to end up in Green Bay. I think it'll be J.J. Watt. That's the other one. <laughs> uh, it, it's either Pittsburgh or it's uh, it's the Packers. Uh, the chance to be opposite sides of your brother is pretty cool. That would be, even, be pretty cool even though the, the again the winning idea that's not going to be as much there it would be there to be with family mm-hmm. uh but to go back to where it all started uh and and to do that uh, on a team that is competing for a championship i think that wins out uh but i think there's going to be a, uh, the packers don't normally make big dives into free agency but i think there's a couple of key players that will be coming uh from that part as well as from the from the draft but uh like i said tune in we'll talk football yeah, sometime 8. too yeah. With that, uh, we'll see you next week.